Hello and welcome to the third annual Movie Ghoul Round, where each Movie Go Round episode leading up to Halloween is spookier than the last. This week's theme is Prime Flicks Roulette. everybody my name is brett stewart joining me this evening nicole davis how are you on this third annual movie ghoul round we're on the second episode of the cycle oh, i'm very happy this is becoming in our our relatively short tenure uh as podcasters this is rapidly becoming my favorite time of year um just you know because it's last decade i've been really getting into the horror genre and i'm excited to see what we can what we can do, what we can explore, what we can share with people, how much fun we can have with it. Yeah. Hey, I think four years going on now between two shows. We're not relatively new. <laughs> I think you got to give yourself a little bit of credit. Relatively small audience, but relatively new. <laughs> uh, yeah. D- David Luzader, how are you? I'm doing well, but I'm here to officially petition that this movie ghoul round, movie ghoul round uh, gets renamed to Stan Winston Go Round. That all movies picked <laughs> must involve Stan Winston. Pumpkinhead directed by Stan Winston. This movie, Creature Effects by Stan Winston. It's the only way. Yes. So this movie, Primeflix Roulette, uh, formerly Netflix Roulette, is where we spin a wheel that spits out some different movies that we can pick from uh, for streaming. It has to be on Netflix. has to be on Amazon Prime. Those are the two that we set the groundwork for because... Amazon's gotten more ubiquitous over time, and it just made sense to include that into the pool. I will say that we picked this movie, we watched this movie, and then a day later, it went off Amazon Video. So as of recording, at least, you probably still have to rent it. And maybe you'll want to after this episode. It was was interesting. Uh, Uh, Let me tell you, I spent money on it because I I was late, and so I had to spend money to rent it. And I was, um, I had feelings about that. Not necessarily great ones. I, I too Some was of us tried to warn you not to wait. You did. You did. Yes, Nicole's the good one here. <laughs> yeah, but but it counted. It counted when we had spun the wheel. Uh, the true. only prerequisite yeah. we did put on the wheel this go around, however, is that it had to be in the horror genre of some capacity. We got our first first creature flick that I think we've maybe have ever had, unless you want to include. We recorded an episode on the host and then the file got corrupt. So no one's ever heard that one. So I suppose this might be the only creature flick we've ever had. Yeah. I mean, I guess pumpkin head is like a a mix of creature and slasher. It's like slasher and supernatural. It's not like a, I'm, I say creature feature. I tend to mean like something that's from our planet and maybe it's mutated and maybe it's. That makes sense. uh, Gotten oversized, but it's, it's, it's from our natural world. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Yeah, I mean, it, before we dive too deep in the conversation, I'll also say that I think creature feature, in, for me, in my mind, is always stacking to Jaws. That's like the iconic creature feature to me. I know it's not supposed to be a... It, it is a horror film. Just because it's not spooky and done in the dark, it's all in the light time. It's still scary. Why it's scary? It's not like this movie doesn't borrow some things from Jaws. <laughs> 
Oh, yes. We will get into that. But before we do, uh, next week's movie, it's future classics. Nicole's pick, a movie that has to come out 2010 and onward. I will say we're rapidly losing the opportunity to pick 2010 movies because 2021 is coming up pretty close. Uh, Nicole, what are we going to be watching? Yeah, and I'm going to chuck that opportunity out the window um, <laughs> and pick a much more recent film. It's it's been a year, guys. It's been a it's been a year for everybody. It's been a year where we thought, boy, this this is not a great thing that's happening, and and then it got worse, and then you're like, no, things can't get more extreme, and then they did, and I it just. You know, I need something to uh, something I can really dig my teeth into and soak in and just get every little molecule of goodness out of. And I want to share that with the world. (laughs) So we are going to be doing 2018's Mandy. I knew it. <laughs> I, I knew it. I was waiting for you I to finally bring myself. that. I myself. Oh, yeah. That movie. I mean, it's not yeah. as if you couldn't have indulged in the intricacy of Lake Placid from 1999, <laughs> which so is what we did watch. So much to dissect here. <laughs> uh, so check out Mandy next week. I will say that it's streaming on Shutter. if you have a subscription there. They have an exclusive deal with Mandy to stream it. And it might be somewhere else by now, but it's definitely there. Uh, but we'll check do out. Do they have a trial you can get? They do have a free trial you can get. So, and yeah. I, it's actually a super good app. I'm going to be a shill here for AMC right now and say it's totally worth like the $40 a year if you're a horror fan. Uh, but this week, Lake Placid came out in 1999. A local sheriff, a fish and game warden, and a paleontologist walk into a par. Huh, just kidding. <sighs> that was a good one, Nicole. All have to work together to deal with a giant killer crocodile who has taken up residence in a remote lake in Maine. Also, Betty White is there and swears a lot. That's basically this movie. I think Nicole very eloquently summed that up. Well, you forgot about eccentric billionaire Oliver Platt. <laughs> What's going yes, on? Okay. Oh, <laughs> I, all right. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna break us down here, topic by topic, because there's a lot of weird stuff to talk about. Um, I think the first of which is, can a writer for multiple successful shows about lawyers write a convincing, scary creature movie? Uh, Nicole, fill us in a little bit about who wrote Lake Placid and what they've previously worked on. This is David E. Kelly, who is the mind behind The Practice and Boston Legal and Ally McBeal and like a million other legal-related shows. And... um and he's got a very distinct voice. Mm-hmm. And you definitely get that in this movie. And, you know, because Oliver Platt's been in several of his shows in one capacity or another, he's handling this dialogue great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's not... Uh, I, I mean, the short answer is no. <laughs> right so- for successful shows about lawyers cannot write a convincing and scary creature movie the, the, um, the word the word scary is irrelevant to this film that doesn't even doesn't even come close like there's nothing about this movie that's ever suspense a little bit yeah what what david <laughs> kelly 
did hear is that David Kelly thought, okay, me, the brilliant writer, David Kelly, is going to come down <laughs> from on high and write a creature movie. Because so many times in this movie, it feels like he's winking at the camera, like, huh? 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 Look at how clever I am. And never, yeah. never once. So we haven't actually mentioned the creature either, by the way. It's a crocodile movie. Yes. Not not an alligator, mind you, which is a species found in the United States, but Mm -hmm. a crocodile. And not a mutated crocodile, not like a crocodile that got subjected to a a nuclear blast and is now all crazy. It's just a real big crocodile. Yeah, it's just real big. So. I, I did try to think I was smarter than the movie, and I looked up the difference between alligators and crocodiles just to make sure they got it right. They did in the sense that alligators live in freshwater, crocodiles live in saltwater, and they're talking in the movie about how it came up from the East Coast, uh, from the ocean. So I suppose to that degree, <laughs> this is ecologically accurate. It's not an yeah, alligator. Claim, I was hoping it would be an alligator. Yeah, they they claim that the lake is pretty close to the ocean. That like it just swam up an inlet or something into the lake. Um, it, it followed- I'm not saying it's not entirely. It's not entirely dumb. I mean, there are a couple of moments that that of like human connection that do not belong in this movie, but work, you know, <laughs> um, but they're, they're very few. They're very few. And the scares all follow the same pattern. And uh, it's just, I, I don't know, guys. <laughs> so here's what gets me though. What did is you that think, Brett? As long as we're talking about like scary and creatures, the reason I mentioned Jaws as like the pinnacle creature flick for me is because it does such a good job with making the shark a mystery. You don't immediately know how big it is. Uh, you're, you don't see a lot of it early on in the film. I mean, you don't, you don't get a full shot of the shark till like the last scene of the movie. Um, and it just, all that works really well. And I understand I'm comparing Steven Spielberg to this movie, but I think the point stands that this film might have been scarier or or at least been scary if the alligator was a little bit more of a mystery, if it did pop out of nowhere, but it's like the opposite. You see the whole alligator fairly early on. You see a lot of the alligator. I, I don't know if I'd say a lot. It's less than four minutes of screen time total. Is it really? Yeah. It's, it's not <laughs> get like a real good look at it. I mean, yeah, the whole last scene is them. We'll get into that, but they, they, trap it and it's like there for a long time they trap it and it just gives up like i know it's drugged but it also (laughs) it's its reaction to suddenly being trapped is also like all momentum in this movie where it's like "Eh, there wasn't much to begin with and it's just (laughs) petering out right here this movie is 83 minutes long and it takes a couple minutes to start and then you've got a couple minutes of credits so really like we're getting close to the 75 minute territory for (laughs) total film and a lot of the film is them talking in a camp like that that is a a bulk of the movie yeah 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 knocking at a campsite so about crocodiles or that one really forced speech where bridget fonda is like oh i never really related with the other kids i just skipped rocks on my own (laughs) i can't and bill pullman's like yeah 
like like there's no follow up from his character. Uh, oh. and, th- and I feel like that's the thing is we're mentioning these names. This movie has a cast that is there are people in here who are very talented. There's also just people in yeah. here that are, you know, their name, right? Like I'm not going to accuse Bridget Fonda of being the greatest actress in the world, but she's here. And so is Oliver Platt. And so is yeah. Betty White and Bill Pullman and, uh, yeah. Brandon Gleason, and Brandon Gleason, who I can only see as Donald Trump now, whole different discussion. Um, they're all here. They- yeah. And two of those characters are tremendously underwritten. And two of them are tremendously overwritten. And- With, yeah. Without without Oliver Platt and Brendan Gleeson, there's nothing redeemable about, about this movie. There's nothing that I would, I think, have thoroughly actually enjoyed about this movie. I would movie. agree with that. I would say that they are the, the, the anchors of the movie. That Brendan Gleeson is the grounding force in the movie who's like grounding this thing in, in the real world. And acting like a regular person would. Mm-hmm. And Oliver Platt is the, you know, over the top, bigger than life character who is just, just, oh, he, he's, he's pushing this character out of every pore and it's working <laughs> for me. <laughs> if you, I mean, if you really want to give a sense of really kind of how little everyone cared about this movie, just count out the scenes where Brendan Gleeson tries to hide his accent, and then the ones where he just has it. <laughs> <laughs> it, it varies wildly. It really from does. Scene to scene. Yeah. At yeah. one point, I was like, "Oh, that's a respectable American accent. It's not a backwoods Maine accent, but it's an American accent." And then he'll slip <laughs> yeah. here and there and then a little more and then a little more and you know and then so. he's just full full Brendan Gleeson can, yeah. we talk, can we talk about how the the premise of Oliver Platt's character is just so absurd in the sense that he's a what rich he? so he's a, he's a mythologist or um, something like he's, that he's or? a mythology professor but he's also like insanely rich right yeah comes Believe. from a rich family Yes, believes that alligators or crocodiles are deistic. They think that they right. have some sort of godlike quality to them because every society, uh, every ancient civilization deified them, sure, yeah. and, and uh, swims with them for what I can only assume is sexual gratification. <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> now, mind you, we don't get this information from his character. Oh, no, no we none get of this it. as someone talking about him. Yeah. We don't but, get to get this from the character himself. As as the helicopter's riding in, Bridget Fonda is like, oh, okay. I've got like two minutes of exposition to give you about this guy. <laughs> and, so and there's one moment in the movie where, as David would famously describe this in many of our shows, in my opinion anyway, it's masturbatory writing <laughs> in which yeah. uh, he sits down after an involvement after getting going face to face with the crocodile and starts telling uh, Fonda all about um, how he looked into that croc's eyes and saw more humanity and, and, uh, and honesty and defiance than any human he's ever seen before. And then she's like, really? And he's like, no, nah, <laughs> and that was it. Um, I did like, like that. Actually. It's, it's funny. It's funny. It's so overridden. It's actually kind of funny. There's there's a a couple of moments where I'm like, did they just let Oliver Platt riff? 
Because there, <laughs> there was also the, he was talking about this nightmare he had. And the nightmare is just this insane dream where he doesn't have a head. And his parents will let him in the house because he's going to knock oh, yeah. out these vases. And then he, th- these neighborhood kids would start playing soccer with his head. And he wasn't even mad. He was just happy to be included. <laughs> like, <laughs> they just did, Oliver Platt is like, no, no, just one more. Just one more. Hold on. I got, I got an idea. You know, I used to have a recurring nightmare that I was headless. I'd be down on the ground looking up at my body, no head. Just walking around bumping into everything. My parents wouldn't let me in the house because they just bought all these new antique lamps. They didn't want me to knock them over. Maybe that was supposed to be Fonda's. I just couldn't hang out with the other kids line and he just rifted off her. So she had the stick with the uh, throwing stones. Sure. There's there's one line of one line of dialogue that I just got to mention now because. Should we go to worst line of the film here? Is that where we're going? <laughs> sure, we can we can jump ahead because right, I just I got to get it out of me now. Uh, okay. Which is when Bridget Fonda, when Bill Pullman calls her ma'am a couple of times, and Bridget Fonda says, "If you call me ma'am one more time, I'm going to sue you." And with today's laws, it's possible. <laughs> <sighs> what? what? <laughs> Yeah, that's that's not my favorite. I don't think that one's the worst, though. Is it um, napkins? No, no, all of that wasn't great. Um, it's it's a it's a couplet of lines, actually. It's after his, uh, Oliver Platt's character, Hector Sear, you know, millionaire, uh, whatever, crocodile lover, adventurer, <laughs> whatever, is partying in his tent with some of the deputies. And they're you know dancing to Tom Jones. Oh, and yeah. he's talking to this female deputy and he says, law enforcement is very dangerous work, isn't it? And you have such big, wonderful yeah. boobs. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh. and I just sat there and said, what? <laughs> what? And I mean, I will say, I will admire the fact that he says the word boobs in like the roundest way I have ever heard that word said. So you really get an idea of like how big and how round. <laughs> sure. But- <laughs> I, it, you know, if there's any actor I've ever probably wanted to hear say the word boobs, it'd probably be Oliver Platt. No, let's, let's not bury <laughs> the lead that <laughs> let's not bury the lead that, uh, that the deputy he's hitting on is Meredith Salinger. Now, yeah. um, uh, which it took me a second to recognize her. If you're unfamiliar with her, she's she's a good Twitter follow. But uh, she's <sighs> Patton Oswald, Oswald's wife, huge career in comedy and all sorts of other cool stuff. Um, well, she's had her own acting career. She started out the journey of Natty Gann, right. which was you know before your time, but <laughs> was a very big familiar. kids movie. <laughs> uh. <laughs> um. But I mean, she's she's been in her in her own movies. And I, you know, I give her credit in this scene that this non sequitur out of nowhere um, seems to work for her. Yeah, she makes it. She reacts in a way that makes it seem that although she is not airheaded, she finds his candor charming. And and then and then Brennan Gleason stalks into the room, into the tent uh, this yep. party tent and is like everybody <laughs> go to bed right now and yeah he's dead Oliver, Oliver Platt 
says, can she stay with me? We were going to mate, which is a direct line from this movie. To her boss. We were hoping to mate. <laughs> we were hoping to mate. And then uh, he's like, no, get out of here. And for, I'm like, she's an adult woman. <laughs> like, if this was really something that this is how working on her, like, you can't legally stop her. But let's keep in mind she's that like, oh, he's saying this to her boss and she's just like on the sideline being like, yep. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Cause this movie, oh, this movie's treatment of women, we don't have enough time for that. Oh, I do not understand how a man who is blessed to have been married to Michelle Pfeiffer for more than 25 years can write such a movie that is so misogynistic. It's I don't get it. So bad. Horribly misogynistic. Every, I, Everyone hates the women in well hates Bridget Fonda mostly for being yeah. a woman. Question also whiny. Also, what about not liking to be out in the woods? Oh yes, not yeah. Oh yeah, and, and her whole attitude. You know, he writes too. her as very fussy. Yeah, you know? and it's just the uh, the introduction to her character is so weird. Yeah, it, we see her in her museum like working with some fossils or whatever. And then her boss slash boyfriend is like, Oh, we need to talk smash cut to her crying. And like the first thing we learn about her is that she was sleeping with her boss, which like they were in a relationship, but she's sleeping with her boss. And then who was then cheating on her with like her good friend slash coworker yeah. who also works for the boss slash Mariska Hargitay. Yeah. <laughs> So utterly thankless. Role. She gets there, and and this is this isn't my pick for worst line, but it's in contention. She gets there to Maine, turns to Meredith Salinger, and just straight up says, "There's something I wanted to ask you. What's it like to be a woman in the woods of Maine? I mean, the oh. guys don't turn all horny or anything like they did in Deliverance, right?" Oh, also, another insane oh. line. Yeah. What? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's. Oh. My my worst line though, and and mostly because it's just it's painful to hear because I I can't imagine it even was funny then, is when Hank, uh, played by Gleason, uh, tells tells Hector uh, Platt's character, I brought you a pork chop for luck. Maybe you could hang it around your neck when he's about to go scubaing into the lake. To which Platt responds, "That's sweet. Maybe you can chew the bark off my big fat log," and then. Gleason turns to the camera and says, is that a homosexual joke? <laughs> yes, that homosexual. And I'm like, you have to be kidding me right now. <laughs> so uh, Gleason then conversely for me has the best line in the movie, which is early on when he's there with the turtle tagging guy, who's going to go into the Beaver water. Tagging. Uh, sure. Whatever. Uh, and <laughs> and no, I think that's a deliberate pun thrown in there. Oh, huh, huh. and uh, he says, after the guy d jumps into the water, he says, everyone's everyone's a comedian these days. Sarcastic. Yeah, like that. that is a literal word. He says as if that was written into the script or he's reading stage direction. <laughs> I don't know, but I love that he said it and it's in the movie. Everyone's yeah. a comedian these days. Sarcastic. That's the line. And there's some, yeah. I feel I, we could, we could that, sit here all day and, and read lines from this movie. It's good. But, but some of the lines are like, you could, it's almost like you could tell 
you could tell the writer was writing this to your point earlier, David, like winking at the audience being like, look how clever and, and witty I am with my dialogue. I'm a regular Aaron Sorkin. And then he writes shit like when friends and family say certain things, they tend not to register. It helps to hear it from a complete stranger. You're fat. So he says fat that to Brendan Gleeson, so Oliver Plath's character. So many fat comments out of nowhere for no reason. And you know, he thought that was witty. You know, he thought that was like, oh, this is a good one. And he sat back and said, oh, yeah. (laughs) Hey, Michelle. Hey, Michelle Pfeiffer, read this. (laughs) Michelle, Michelle, come on. It's just so weirdly out of place, though, when Platt's about to jump into the water to just meet his maker with this crocodile for no apparent reason. And she just yells out to him, I'll have sex with you in order to keep him from going in the water. Yeah. It's also weird that it's between <sighs> it's 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 typically uh Platt to Gleason when both of them in this movie are like kind of are kind of bigger guys. Like it's it's larger men. Yeah. yeah. It's weird yeah. that these are the these are the two that are somehow making the fat comments back and forth. You're fucking great! What the hell are you doing? What the hell are you doing? Oh, I'm laying a spring trap. A spring trap? I keep telling you they can come on land, you know. You don't want to wake up in the middle of the night. I'm going to shock you. This could end up saving your life. Which yeah, is no, meaningful for you. Because the longer you live, you the more sex you get to have with your sister. What's going on? And the script tries to write in this, like, it, it starts with them hating each other. Um, or at the very least, Gleason hating Pratt's, uh, Platt's character. But then, yeah. like, this weird, like camaraderie at the end yep i'm into it one of the few things that works for me in the movie yeah i actually found it believable because you know they're the two best actors in the movie (laughs) and they make it seem like they each have kind of an arc that sort of meets toward the middle well (laughs) saying any can respect each other in some way saying any character in this movie has an arc is generous at best (laughs) <laughs> so we haven't talked a lot about Bill Pullman. Um, because what is there to talk about? Well, see, that, that's what I was going to yeah. say. It's like, it's like, is is Bill Pullman adequately charismatic in this movie in oh. contrast to what he should be? Because no. I know Bill Pullman as a really charismatic actor of the nineties. This was like the end. Indi- I like you know, him a whole lot. Yeah. I mean, like, I mean, I grew up with his movies and, and I love a, many of them, but this is not the witty charismatic Bill Pullman that I know from those films. No, this character is no. so dry. N- yeah. Name one thing we know about his character. Like one, any one thing. Um, exactly. He's a ranger. <laughs> not a ranger though. He's not, <laughs> he's, a, he's, a, he's the head of fishing or whatever. It's that fish and fishing game or g- game and wild, whatever. Yeah. But that's his profession. That's it's not him. Not as like, a- <laughs> like local, you know, or, or regional, I guess, fish and game. And then he's like, you know, the national guys are coming in. We're gonna, we only have a couple days to deal with this. I assume he like lives alone but, with a yellow lab in like a trailer or something like that. I don't know why I'm giving him the character of Mel Gibson like and a Lethal cabin, Weapon. Maybe. Yeah. Like- <laughs> yeah. there's just there's nothing there's nothing there there's nothing to like i can't and i can't even say bill pullman's doing the best with what he's got because no i you know (laughs) i I also enjoy bill pullman all right we're all pullman fans here but this is just like this is the phoning it in this is getting that paycheck yeah although he does the one line that he does deliver perfectly is you know bridget fonda's character is whining about 
something again. And he says, you really don't have to tell people you're from New York, you know? Uh, <laughs> so also weird digs at New York. Also weird digs yeah. at Maine. Like Maine is not, yeah. I understand that there are rural parts of Maine, but this is not the state I think of when Fonda's making comments about how she's allergic to timber and there are a bunch of hicks out in the wilderness. It's like, this is Maine. Well, well, no, I mean, I will say there are parts of Maine that are very woody and they're very remote and they are, you know, super small town and rural, but you do not need a bush pilot with a pontoon plane to fly into Maine. Right. There are perfectly adequate roads all over the state. Mm-hmm. It is not necessary. I live pretty close to Maine, and yet there are a lot of mosquitoes, and this woman is not getting bitten nearly enough in a realistic sense. Um, you know, or <laughs> they don't talk about the black flies or the green flies. You know, they d- none of that. So they're <laughs> clearly Mr. Kelly did not spend any quality time in Maine doing it's also- his research. It's also not filmed in Maine at all. Maine is just no, it is not. Maine is just the backdrop, right? But yeah, but there's these digs about New York, and I don't know if either of you are familiar. I I don't know how New York. How I've heard much of it. It's in pop. Yes, <laughs> in popular <laughs> culture. The state of New York. You might know where it is. It's kind of in between Pennsylvania. The, the fifth and character in Sex in the City, Massachusetts. Um, but. It used to have this tourism jingle, you know, the I love New York uh, tourism. I love New York. It's a great vacation. You know, and it was this whole big thing in like the early 80s. There was this big tourism push. And I thought I heard that jingle worked in to the score for the movie. (laughs) That's weird. When they're doing like the overhead shots of the lake and you typically right after Bridget Fonda's complaining about something, you hear this little bit that sounds like the and then it goes on in some other, you know, and I I couldn't find anything online about it. Maybe it's, maybe it's a stretch, but it sounded like that to me. It sounded like somebody, ought to sue and by god you know this movie deserves to be sued <laughs> See, I at, least my, want, at least want my time back my right. response to that nicole is not oh that is possible it's there was a score because it was so unremarkable <laughs> that i forgot there was music in this movie it's pretty underplayed yeah it, it is now uh do you, will you guys indulge a sl- a slight historical detour because i have some some uh groundwork to lay down for why this movie oh. was written um okay. at least at least in the fact of like historical gators and lake placids in new york uh, <laughs> why are so, we subjected to this film brett <laughs> the gator I, I'm, re- I'm reading here from the new york almanac uh the gator of mirror lake existed appropriately enough in the village of lake placid new york and it scared the heck out of some very surprised tourists and you don't have to believe us let's bow to a higher authority the new york times in 1903 they ran a story titled alligator in lake placid that was two decades before Lake Placid South came into existence. So rest assured, the story applied to Lake Placid in New York. 
The tale in the Times began in early 1903 when the Stevens brothers, proprietors of the famed Stevens house, learned the answer to the age-old question. What do you give someone who has everything? The obvious answer? A reptile from the tropics, which is what a friend gave them as a gift. A young alligator became the newest addition to the hotel's amenities, housed temporarily in a hotel bathtub. Around May, when ponds were open and snow was melting, the brothers had decidedly made a non-tropical decision of releasing the gator into Mirror Lake. Frigid nights brought on ice to the lake's shallows, leaving only the slightest hope for the gator's survival. However... A few weeks later, on a sunny day, an alligator was catching some rays on the beach. Uh, It grew and got bigger and bigger. Um, And I'm trying to see if it was eventually removed. It was not eventually removed. They believe it eventually just died. Um, But this tale, many believe, led to the groundwork for this. I I mean, he must have read something about it because a lake placid with an alligator in it. That can't be a coincidence. Yeah, probably saw a New Yorker article on it. But I, I want to pull back to the point when there was an alligator once living in a hotel. And that means there was a possibility for this story to be Dunstan checks in with, <laughs> <laughs> and with, with an alligator. And I want that movie. I do want that movie. I want I, yeah, I want those two movies to, to be like smushed together and made into like one really great movie. Put put sunglasses on it, and I sold in the room. I'll back this thing myself. <laughs> the alligator can eat the dog that jumps off the edge of the building. Oh, that's oh my dog. god! I forgot about suicide dog. It doesn't dog. look like you have a suicidal dog. It just looks like the alligator had lunch. There you go. <laughs> oh man, deep deep cut to like the fifth episode of Movie Go Go Round. Hi, hi, Matthew Sargent. <laughs> Your ears just perked up. Right. He, his ears are uh, tingling right now. Um, would this movie be any better if they had gone practical effects with the crocodile? Or is it More served better effect. by the campy early CGI? I mean, there's a lot of early CGI in this. It, it's not all practical. No, it's, it's not all practical, but the shots of the full gator and like close ups of the head. You know, anything where it's interacting with a person, most of that is practical you know the big cgi scene that looks like a cgi scene is where it takes the bear well yeah i guess i'm talking about two scenes where it takes the bear i might add (laughs) which which i put in here is the real mvp scene of the movie we'll get to that in one second um there's the bear and then there's the final capture at which points where it's jumping and thrashing also when it attacks a plane any action scene yeah any action scene i i don't know if there's a i mean obviously there's a better way to do that cc jaws but i just don't know if it helps the fact that it just it looks or like there's a scene for instance where it gets on land and it swipes its tail to knock over fonda and you can see her just like awkwardly jumping back jumping randomly right and not just jumping randomly but like it hits her and there's no noticeable impact and her she just yeah. kind of like falls backward as if pushed by someone ah. else and, and i understand it's 1999 but but i almost think it would have it would have been served better in the long term by I don't, it's it's like it's, well, it's gonna suck it's, either way i mean in 1999 was that cusp i mean the same thing that happened to phantom menace and we're not going to fully dig into that but it's like <laughs> look at what we can do now with computers we are no yeah. longer limited by having to build these models and build all these things like you can just yeah. make them in a computer and it looks 
it looks pretty good, they said back good in 1999. Enough. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and now we're watching it and being like, no, it doesn't. Yeah, we're like, oh, that that oh, that Legolas looks terrible jumping all over that thing. My oh, goodness. You know? why'd you I like how you're referencing that? something from this decade. <laughs> oh, well, no, there's also a scene where Legolas is like jumping around something in, in Lord of the Rings. The elephant. That, the elephant. Yeah. Oh, my thought was Legolas jumping upward against gravity in, in The Hobbit. So, there's also Man. that. Which um, they could have used here because honestly, it doesn't occur to anybody that crocodiles can't climb trees. Okay, uh, <laughs> this this movie, the only reason anybody dies is because they go to the lake. Yeah, There's no, n- they die because they're red shirts. That's well, why they die. <laughs> yes, all, yeah, no, no one with a real name dies. But they, no, Betty White is right. Nobody lives on this lake. Nobody comes out here. The only reason, and like, as soon as they find out that a crocodile has killed somebody, like all these people suddenly show up for the crocodile snack time. But <laughs> it was there for years without incident. And that's the thing yeah. is, is I messaged you guys when we picked this movie on the roulette and I was like, and I, and I stand by this lake movies are not that scary because you can leave a lake. <laughs> like it's, if it's an anaconda, if it's a river, you're going down the river. You don't have a ton of options. That's fine, but you can leave the lake. <laughs> if it, yeah. If it's a lake, like in a populous area, like, okay, we can do something there. It's coming out and getting people and pulling them back to the lake, wherever this is a lake. As they tell us so many times in the middle of absolutely nowhere. Right. Or it's right. like jaws where people are going there anyway. Right. Like this is a tour attraction this is the beach or something like that this doesn't have that we normally have our big fourth of july party on this lake (laughs) (laughs) right now you could you i i mean i have to agree you know you could just put a big fence around it and that's all you need to do and that's you know that's fine and And eventually you could trap it and take your chances that's fine yeah yeah Yeah, and you can trap it eventually but it's all the people not knowing what the hell they're doing uh, they get them in trouble, and deputies get various bits bitten off them. Um, usually, really important ones. <sighs> a lot of heads. <laughs> a lot of heads. Um, people keep throwing heads at me. Keep throwing heads. I don't me. like it. <laughs> that was kind like, of a know, funny buildup. I'll I'll give well, the movie that. I, mean, one. I don't blame her. The only <laughs> the only payoff in the movie that there is at all. Yeah. So. Uh, Let's talk about the bear, though, because we glossed over that. <laughs> they get attacked by a grizzly bear, so which right. then gets destroyed in a single bite by Mega Crocodile. Of, it comes out of nowhere. They're having a conversation, and yeah. a bear charges out of the woods. <laughs> yeah. And just come on, knock it off. Knock it off. Put that no, down. No, 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 just no, no, no. settle. Jesus. Ah! Look out! it's great but the fashion in which it gets swooped up by the crocodile is like something out of an asylum sci-fi movie what what i love is that the bear stops and turns around like whoa how did i get here what Oh boy, I was, I'm real lost. Oh, like the crocodiles got me. <laughs> because there's this awesome subplot, and I will give the movie this: where crazy 
uh, Betty White, who I referred to in our docket as 1999's Carol Baskin, because they all think that she like killed her husband and buried him somewhere. No, um, not, what, what do you mean? She thinks she did. She killed him and openly. buried him. Right. But then at a, at a different point, she admits to feeding him to crocodiles, which is, again, a, a no, Carol Baskin thing. she didn't feed him to crocodiles. He no, died. He died. The crocodile ate him is what happened. Yes. She right. did not feed him. The man just happened to be eaten by a crocodile. I'm sure it's exactly what they say about her husband. Uh, see Lion, not Lion, I was about to say Lion King, Tiger King on Netflix for, for more on that. Uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, she's feeding, she's been feeding it since it was tiny and they found it in the yeah. lake. And she, it, this now has built to the point where she is taking livestock the size of full-grown cows and blindfolding them to lead them down to the lake's edge so it can single-bite snack time them. And it is unreal. It is so, Where is she? How often is she doing this? The, well, you know, that's, the, uh, <laughs> that's where I got hung up on this film was the science. Um, <laughs> setting aside whether or not a crocodile could live in a freshwater lake, whether it could grow to that size. It's the one thing I know about big reptiles is when they have a big meal, they go digest it for like three weeks yeah. before they go looking for food again. And it, this crocodile is eating somebody every day. Yeah. It, it would not have <laughs> eaten that cow probably in one bite. It probably would have eaten it over like a, a couple of days and then just like laid there in the sun. And also we should mention the fact that Betty White, uh, says the word cock like three times in this movie, and that's weird. Peter would be annoyed at how you treat your cows. The reason I lied, if I told you the truth, you'd hunt it down and kill it, which seems to be exactly what you're trying to do. How long have you been feeding this thing? Six years. She swears a whole lot, and that's what they're milking that for all it's worth to get the comedy value. Somewhere in the 90s, somebody it decided that old lady swearing was hilarious, and... Now <laughs> Here's the only reason they're not wrong. Right, they're the not entirely wrong. Only reason I'll defend it in this movie is because it is Betty White. Yes, if it, if it was anyone else, I would you would just dismiss it as ah funny grandma. This is Betty White. Right. This is you know her character on the Golden Girls was like the most innocent, daffy, sweet person in the world, and this is just like a a mouthy broad <laughs> kind of. He refused to go to a doctor. He'd be coherent one day and incoherent the next. And well, one coherent day, he asked me to end his suffering. And he kept insisting and insisting, and then, well, finally, I just gave in. And I hit him on the head with a skillet. Older lady, and yep. uh, honestly, you know, hashtag life goals. Um. I mean, she calls Brendan Gleeson <laughs> meat. I'm going to have to bleep multiple times in this episode. No, yeah. no, no. Um, is it meat or meat? I'm going to have to bleep this like five times. No, it's, it's the first one. You, okay. you were correct the first time. All right. Uh, the bleep is the F word, people. Um, yeah, she she's fine in this. She, she doesn't have a very big role. I, I The only thing I knew about this movie was stuff about her, like memes of her saying these lines. And she's vi not in the movie very much. No. No. But she is a, a she's a, a key character in her own special way. Yeah, <laughs> well, I mean, the, the movie's her fault. She's so a, it's giant it's, crocodile from a regular size one. It's also baffling to me that she openly admits to killing her husband 
to a sheriff who right. then do, does nothing, drops it. Like, like he's whatever. busy with other things. Right. He says, but we're like, under house arrest. Well, no, this is way before then. When she's like, I hit him with a frying pan and buried him out there. He's like, mm, well, there's no laws here on this lake, so you're fine. <laughs> It's international waters out on that lake. Yeah, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, I and at the end of the movie, she's feeding tiny little babies because oh, because oh yeah, there's a second crocodile. I almost forgot about that. That reveal sucked. Which is for the sole purpose of uh, Gleason blowing its head up, Jaws style, turning to the camera, winking at you, and saying, "Now we're back to one," and exploding. It ex- meat chunks everywhere. Yeah, that Why? that's that. Well, because it was the payoff of them showing the gun in Act One, so it has to go off. It it, but it just was so it was so quick and then over so fast and then so many people going like, there were two. I can count. Yeah. Did you count? There were two of them. <laughs> I can't. So. I'm not sure if you guys are, yeah. are familiar with this, yeah. but it's, this movie uh, actually produced a fairly prolific uh, franchise. There's, there was what, four of them? There was, no, there's even there more was, than that. Yeah. There's, so I know there's two, three, the final chapter, and wow. then Anaconda versus yes. so They have number two, which is like multiple crocodiles, which is alluded to at the beginning of this movie. There's number three, with even more crocodiles. Uh, there's number four okay. where uh, like um, Reba, the poacher is back, but now an EPA for a second. I thought it was Reba, like the actress. Reba, slash- Reba McIntyre. <laughs> that's kind of like how I read it. And I was like, wow, I need to see this now. <laughs> but that's Lake Placid. The final chapter is a character named Rita um, saying that they finally have turned it into a crocodile sanctuary with an electric fence. But of course, high school students get inside. Um, Those dang high school students. The fifth one. Lake Placid versus Anaconda um, is where an accident actually dramatically. Thank you. Right. (laughs) Uh, It actually causes uh, anacondas to be let into the lake. And then the most recent entry, Lake Placid Legacy uh, is all about like they find an abandoned facility on the lake that like somehow somebody has secretly been like feeding all of this into the lake uh, and then there's two, vi- not one, two video games, one in the last 15 years. This is a prolific franchise for a movie that is at best fine. You know, you know how I know that this, the latest one really sucks. And I mean, not for the very obvious reasons, but there's several it's cause I'm looking at a list of characters and not one of these characters has a last name that <laughs> in the writing of this, no one even bothered. No, Hector does. No, 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 no. I'm talking about no. I'm talking about the the Lake Placid Legacy. But oh, oh, well, I will will advocate for why while I'm here, a Sharknado versus Lake Placid. Because if if a if that the climactic fight of that movie is a a tornado goes into this lake and pulls up a bunch of crocodiles and then it clashes with the Sharknado. Okay. I will will watch it. (laughs) I don't care (laughs) what else. I will watch that movie. Okay, I could watch that. Yeah. 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 Sure. Yeah. Especially I mean, if I... they bring Betty White back. <laughs> there you go. 
There's I still mean, time. The funny thing is that is that I mentioned earlier how it felt like a sci-fi channel movie, and that's that ended up being the case. All six remaining movies or five remaining movies were sci-fi originals. Uh, so they've only been subject to the people on TV. Uh, a couple other questions here we have in our docket. Uh, this movie should be taught in film schools as to how not to write a screenplay featuring no stakes, a forced love story, a completely unlikable female lead and a completely boring female league, bad dialogue and more. A completely boring male lead. Male lead. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, it's, I'm spreading the hate around uh, evenly here. <laughs> so we, have, we haven't even touched on the love story, which no chemistry in any of their exchanges at all. Fonda no, and, and Pullman. sad because they worked, yeah, they worked together like f- seven years prior in Cam and Crow's movie Singles, mm-hmm. where they were both far more charismatic and had far more chemistry. Uh, but yeah. of course, their characters were also better written and likable. And <laughs> all these things are true. Bridget yeah. Fonda, just in the early 2000s, was just like, you know what? I'm done. And I yeah. blame this movie mostly. Yeah, yeah, I mean. Well, I mean that. And she was in a bad car accident where she fractured a vertebra. And, and she had a child and all good. She reasons. had a child and she was just like, you know what? I'm from the Fonda family. I've got I'm, plenty of my own money. I'm married to Danny Elfman. Yeah. That, I never have to work again, so I'm not going to. That you know, single white, that single white female money is going to be rolling in the rest of my life. That's right. She'll be getting those residuals. <laughs> I mean, she got you know the the ten cents between me and Brett having to rent this movie. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Uh, the so, only reason anyone is in danger is because they willingly go to where the danger is. Again, lake horror, yeah. <laughs> right? Like. It's a lake, just go away. I, I, I put that out to our <laughs> to our listeners. Is there a scary lake movie? Like, I know there's like the woman in black, and like I think that's something with a lake, but like there's lakes that are I know are in scary movies. Like, is there a scary lake movie? And I'm not talking count? about like Friday the 13th where it's like lake adjacent. I'm talking about like the, the bad thing is in the lake. I want to know. Are, are lagoons considered lakes? Sure. Because there's a creature from a... <laughs> right. right. <laughs> there's Lake Mungo. But it's actually like a reservoir and not a true lake. That movie is creepy. That's we should do that sometime. Uh, now I'm just Googling lake horror yeah, movies. Yeah, I just Googled and- scary movies and lakes. <laughs> and do you know what I got? Friday the thirteenth. Doesn't count. Alrighty. Uh I'm putting out that call to listeners. Uh moving on though, um from Mick LaSalle's review in the San Francisco Chronicle. The strange thing for that all of Fonda's whining, Pullman's wary squinting and muttering, the bad dialogue, the cheesy effects, the severed toe, the severed heads, the severed bodies, and the cliched directorial choices, Lake Placid adds up to a halfway enjoyable time at the movies. He's wrong. (laughs) I I add editorially. (laughs) No, it's it's, it's kind of fun. It's kind of fun. I can see... I, I was thought to myself several times uh, watching this movie and uh, talking about it with my man friend uh, that this is a really good like watch with a bunch of friends and a lot of beer and have a great time kind of movie you know where it's just it's a it's a 
dumb spectacle with the occasional funny line. It's not terribly scary. It is a little gory in places. Um, and you know, so it's a, it's a, you know, turn your brain off and have fun with it. Um, you know, I know people who have been, who went to see this movie in the theater and loved it was just like, just enjoyed it for what it was. And, and I can, I can see that. I can see that. I did not see it under optimal circumstances. I watched this by myself on my phone. So perhaps I I am not giving it the, (sighs) the full look it deserves. uh, well, I mean, <laughs> I don't, uh, I don't think it deserves much more than what we've given it. And uh, the fun I've had with the movie has been this discussion of it. And yeah, if this is a movie that, like, for some reason, your friends own, and you're all hanging out on a Friday night, and you just need something to put on in the background to kind of like laugh at and chat, like, yeah, Lake Placid, fine. If, if you somehow come across it on TV, sure, put it on. If you are like, what should I watch tonight? And you have to go out of your way to get something. It's not going to be like Placid. Yeah, in, no, in, no, it's not. In this household, <laughs> no child of mine is going to spend money <laughs> on Lake Placid. I forbid it. <laughs> but Daddy, I love him. Right. <laughs> it, it was yeah. I think I, th- I think there's something to what you guys are saying. I, there's. This could have been fun if my fiance would have joined me when she refused to. Um, <laughs> just left to my own devices with Lake Placid. I will say before we close out right now that my Google search did lead me to what I apparently need to see, which is Shark Lake, uh, Lake Tahoe, oh, infested with sharks. Do you know who comes oh, to God. fight them? Dolph Lundgren. Not only does he come to fight them, but he comes to fight them with Glocks, but he's also a biologist. And the tagline for the movie was Dolph V Shark, which I kind of love. I'm kind of here for that. Maybe Shark Lake is the end, but that's not scary. That's also campy. My question still stands. Yeah, I'm looking at a couple other ones here. Piranha is a lake movie, but that's also comedy. Yeah, like... the remake or the original? The original. I'm, I'm going to put this on our Twitter and Facebook too. I want responses on this <laughs> scary lake movies. I know the remake is a comedy. So it looks like it looks like well, but uh, Eden Lake is a movie that seems to have decent ratings. Oh yeah, that doesn't have anything to do with the actual lake. Though. Well then, what are we doing here? <laughs> like, I'll, I mean, it takes place around the lake, but it's not it's, like a critter in the lake. That's gotcha. Right. It's lake adjacent. Yeah, yeah, yes. none of that Friday yeah. the Thirteenth shit. No, we're we're talking about true lake monsters. So uh, we'll follow up with the audience on that. Should we get any <laughs> responses? Uh, but let's go around the table and see where we can find everybody. Uh, Nicole, where can you be found at? Uh, I'm going to commit and say you come find me on Letterbox, which means I need to go update my Letterbox like right now. Um, so it's letterboxd.com uh, slash Nicole underscore Davis. Very good. And where can, where can people find you, David? On Twitter at Devlas. That's D-A-V-L-U-Z. You'll see what I'm up to there. Very good. You can find me on Twitter at I am Brett Stewart. A reminder, this was the second night of five for the movie Ghoul Round Marathon happening here at the end of October, leading up to the very night of Hollow's Eve, Halloween, October 2020. It's on a Saturday this year. That's a little exciting. I guess you can't really do a whole lot, but hopefully you can find something fun to do. And 
It might involve watching these movies and catching up with these discussions. So be sure tomorrow night, October 29th, follow along with us and you will be watching Mandy, the Nick Cage flick, if you do so. We'll see you then. To help you find it. We can't let him kill it. Experience a few parts mystery. Do you have any theories of why he's here? Honestly, I don't know. And a few parts... <laughs> missing. It's a human toe. Is this the man who was killed? He seemed taller. Oh my God. Bill Pullman. 